Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 7, Episode 2, Homecoming. Yay! Or Homegoing. Coming. Yeah. Homecoming going. Yes. By Jonas, yes. basically. The end of Jonas Quinn. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you, did I, that your bonus Jonas was a hit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I did want to tell the world, though, for anyone that thought I was originally funny, <laughs> the, I am not the first one to call somebody a bonus Jonas. That's actually a Jonas Brothers joke. Uh, fact okay. that there are the three main Jonas Brothers, and then there's a super younger fourth Jonas Brother named Frankie, who was never involved in all the Jonas Brothers stuff because he's like, you know, five to ten years younger than him. And so he was always referred to as the bonus Jonas. Okay. Yeah, See, I, I know nothing about the Jonas Brother, so that just whoosh, right over my head. Yeah, so... Love to use it whenever I can, but I just wanted to put that out there that I'm not the first one to refer to somebody okay. as a bonus Jonas. And it just so happens to work that his name is Jonas. So. I know. So he is in this context. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, should we get to homecoming and, and send our farewell to Jonas? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, wait. No, wait. Before we get into the episode, I forgot last week the results of the polls from our season six wrap up episode. Oh. I had our listeners vote on. I forgot. Okay. Kept track. Mm-hmm. So before we get in, let's go over the poll results. Okay. So the best Hammond episode was between Disclosure and Sight Unseen and Disclosure One. I believe okay. that was me. Uh, for the best Jack episode, it was between the other guys and Abyss, and Abyss won that one. Okay. The best Tilk episode was Redemption Part 1 or Allegiance, and that went to Allegiance. The best Sam episode was between Nightwalkers and Redemption Part 2, and Redemption Part 2 won that one. Okay. For the best Jonas episode, Descent won over Shadowplay. Uh, Daniel episode, of course, Abyss won over The Changeling. Abyss is the best episode ever, so, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, the best male performance, Michael as Daniel or Colin Cunningham in Disclosure, and that went to Michael Shanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best female performance was a tie between Jacqueline Samuda as Nearty and Ona Grauer as Ayana. So does that mean there um, were a whole two people voting on these polls? There, uh, That one had six votes with three, three each. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah. cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, breakthrough male was also a tie between Ian Buchanan and Patrick Curie. Is first and fifth, so that I thought that was just kind of appropriate that <laughs> both the replicators tied. Um, breakthrough female, um, Allison, I forgot what her last name is, as Zena, won over Ona Grower as Ayana. The okay. best villain was another tie between the human replicators and Lord Yu. Well, man, you! Yup. Uh, this is going to be a good you episode for you. <laughs> For me, which yeah, it's for you. <laughs> and, oh, there's some there's something that happens at the end of the commentary that you are gonna love. Um, Yay! So the best otherworldly being the Tigrians won over the Serakin, okay. and best foreign title. Uh, the three options were Dreamgate, the Still Time, and Night Shift, and it was a tie between the Still Time and Night Shift. Oh, so, right. I'm just really excited yeah. people voted. 
I know. I was like, there's more than two people. Yeah, thank you. So yes, thank you everybody who voted. If if you've never voted, please stay tuned till our, our season seven finale wrap up and vote there, please. That would yeah. be great. Anyway. Yeah. Um okay, so now on to season seven, episode two, homecoming. So this episode originally aired on June 13th, 2003, which is the same day as Fallen. So this was like a two-part season premiere, same day, same night for Stargate. Oh, cool. So the audience didn't really have to wait like we kind of yep. did for this podcast. No. Yeah. Oh. Which makes it even stranger that there was a previously on at the beginning of this episode because you literally just watched it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Molly, directed again by Martin Wood, and on the commentary we have returning Martin Wood, Jim Menard, and Michael Shanks. Yay! And in this episode, Jonas's planet comes under attack from Anubis, forcing Tilk to parlay with Lord Yu, while Jack and Sam reluctantly return to Kelowna to deal with the politicians and military there. And with Jonas a prisoner, Daniel is left alone to free him from Anubis. Oh, that's actually a pretty good one. I had to edit that one a little bit. Oh, okay. Well done. But yes, that one was much better. I was like, I should, like, because I, I usually just, like, get all that stuff out of the way. And then, like, I watch the episode and everything. And I don't always go back and be like, was the summary actually accurate? Yeah. So, this is what happened. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Anyway. Okay. So, again, there was a previously on to the episodes of Fallen, even though Fallen aired two seconds ago if you were watching this live. Um, And then the episode proper starts in the SGC, where there is an incoming wormhole with SG-1's IDC. However, only Sam and Jack return with a couple, like, miscellaneous SGC personnel. They report that the main mission objective was successful and Anubis's superweapon was destroyed. Daniel and Jonas are still on board the ship as Anubis jumped into hyperspace before they could figure out a way to get them out, and they have no idea where that ship went. Where it went is it has now dropped out of hyperspace, and we see Jonas dragged up to the Peltac before Anubis. They're sort of posturing from both of them, and like, how, how horrible, and like, we destroyed your weapon, blah, blah, blah. And Anubis but, said, oh, again, in his, yes. in his yes. big thing. I don't know why, but I just think someone as like big and bad as him would not retort to somebody like, oh. But the, it makes me feel like they're about to launch into a, like, you're stupid. No, you're stupid <laughs> kind of thing. It was weird. It was weird to me. Okay. So because of the mind probe on Jonas, Anubis now knows that Daniel is also on the ship, but he still hasn't been spotted by the sensors, but they will find him eventually. Anywho, Anubis wants Jonas there because he has a surprise. They're back at Kelowna. Because Anubis also found out about that Nequadria stuff from Jonas and is like, give me that, please. Uh, And then we see Anubis's ship actually like, enters the atmosphere to like hover directly over the Colonian capital. Like he's not up in orbit. He's like right there. And then we cut to the opening credits. Is it weird to you that Nequadria was such a kept secret? I don't, honestly, I don't remember if they explained how it was kept a secret before. Apparently, well, apparently it's only found on this planet and something happens that no Gould knew that Langara, which is the planet Kelowna is on, existed. It had somehow gotten like erased from Gould records for some reason. Yeah. So that's why nobody else in the universe knows about it, except if you know where the planet is, which nobody does because it's not on any records. So. You don't know about it unless it's already there, unless you've already been there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tortuga style. 
Yes, exactly. So we come back from the opening credits and we're up in the SGC briefing room and the Tok'ra have no idea where Anubis's ship is. There's also been no word from Tilk, so they're assuming he's still with Lord Yu. Everybody's a little hesitant to speculate as to why Lord Yu didn't show, but Jack's just like, this is what happens when you trust a ghoul. And Hammond gets it, but this was still the best option at the time. They're then interrupted by an unscheduled off-world activation, and over the radio, there's an incoming call from Ambassador Draylock of the Colonian High Council. They're requesting help as they are under attack, and Hammond reminds them that the SGC can't get involved, which, yeah, with the intercontinental infighting stuff, but they're actually under attack from Anubis. Up on Yu's ship, Tilk is still in a cell, and Yu's first prime, Oshu, comes in and like dismisses the guard that had come with him, and then... He has a very, frankly, honest conversation with Tilk about what's going on. Uh, he says that, you know, Lord, you did not betray them slash the plan on purpose. You has been unwell for some time now and spends most of his time in the sarcophagus. Tilk asks why he doesn't just take a new host. And she's like, I don't think he can. And... As like forgetful and confused as you is becoming, Oshu still cannot betray him because Lord Yu is his god. And Tilk tells him that, you know, if he lets this go on, Lord Yu will only be remembered as a fool and his mistakes will lead to the death of millions of Jaffa. And there was an interesting thing I made note that like Tilk does that whole, you know, Lord Yu is not a god thing. And Oshu's kind of like, he's kind of like, you might be right, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. like how he puts it too of like what is it, it there was there was a time when I would have struck you dead for even yes. saying it yes yeah um so and so I, okay I it's like that, yeah mm-hmm. um I thought it was late in the commentary but it's here where Michael makes the you joke to Martin Wood <laughs> and Martin's like that's always funny so even they do it so hey! <laughs> so yeah Michael's like me you yeah yeah you? Me? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. Never will. Oh. Uh, so back on Kelowna, we are in like a bunker and we see Commander Hale and Ambassador Draylock and then a bunch of other people waiting in front of the Stargate for somebody from the SGC to arrive. As expected, it's Jack and Sam. And I love how when the kawoosh happens, those like the hanging lights swing like from the force. Did you notice? Oh, no, that's pretty cool. It's so cool. So, like, every time you see the Colonial Gate go whoosh, the, like, hanging lights, like, swing back and forth, like, you know, wind or something. And it's, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I liked it how it was also now in, like, an underground bunker. So it was kind of the, you know, parallel. Yes. So we learn that Anubis has already seized control of the Capitol building and several other locations throughout the city. They've moved the gate to this underground bunker on the outskirts of the city to keep it safe. Jack and Sam have brought a Toka communicator with them, hoping they'll be able to get a hold of Daniel, who is up on the ship with Jonas Quinn. And luckily it works. They let Daniel know that they're in orbit, uh, or they're hovering over above Kelowna. Daniel has managed to find Jonas's cell from, like, the blueprints, but he's, A, unsure how to get the force field of protecting the cell down, and, uh, B, he's, he's lost a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of funny. I did like this whole scene where Jack and Sam show up, and they're like, oh, we have people on the ship. Let me just, you know. We'll be with you in a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we already know what's going on. Come on now. And yeah. and then the whole banter with Daniel where he's like, I don't know, is this normal? Okay. okay. <sighs> yeah, I wrote that. I was like, yeah, that little like snarking back and forth. Yeah. Um, but also there's now a ticking clock of three hours before that Tokra isotope camouflage thing wears off. So yeah, there was like, you know, once Daniel goes through all the stuff that's going on, Jack's just like, so business as usual. And Daniel's like, I don't know, is it? And Jack's like, yep, this is, happens all the time. And she's like, oh, good. That's comforting. Then mm-hmm. this happens all the time and you're still here and doing this. So I guess we'll be okay. Yep. Yep. So Silk and Oshu are doing something that Oshu isn't really happy about, but they pretty much have to at this point. So the other Jaffa that serve under Lord Yu will follow whatever Oshu says, but all of the other Jaffa that were part of like the tentative truce to take out Anubis won't so much. So they're going to try and get Ball on board to sort of take over. And at first he's like, how dare the Shilvabi in his presence? And they're like, okay, if you don't want to do this, we'll go talk to Bastet. And he's like, now wait a minute. What is it you want from me? <laughs> like that—that's how you get a ghoul on your side. We'll just go talk to somebody else. It's fine. Yeah, um, and that's when you need a look, knowing yep. look at each other like so easy. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so also, if you don't want to listen to this plan, then they will lose any chance of getting rid of Anubis permanently, which every ghoul wants at this point, no matter what side they're on. They all want Anubis gone. Down on Kelowna, they're bringing Jack and Sam up to speed with what has happened so far, including the council being taken captive and Anubis assassinating the first minister. He also blew up several factories that killed many civilians. After that, they finally conceded and gave him what he wanted, the Nequadria. All of it. Like, all of it. It's all in Anubis's hands. So, uh, Hale is called out of the room by Draylock as somebody from the surface is calling with news about something. So Sam and Jack have a conversation where Sam supposes that Anubis had used that mind probe thing on Jonas, which is how he knows about the Nequadria. And Jack's like, yeah, but it doesn't work. And Sam's like, well, maybe Anubis might know how to make it work because he's maybe a little smarter than they are at this point. And then Jack's just like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So back with Oshu and Tilk, they basically want Ball to step in and take over for you as commander of Operation Takeout Anubis. And so Oshu assures Ball that Yu's Jaffa will follow him and he will follow Ball because taking out Anubis is in Yu's best interest and he will do whatever he can to make that happen. So if everyone is in agreement, then Tilk needs to head back to Earth to get, you know, his friends in on this new plan that's in the works. Theoretically, this is all happening while Lord Yu is still in the sarcophagus. Yes. So he's going to wake up and just be like, what happened, what guys? The- What's going on? What I missed? Yeah. Oh, we just, we just took out Anubis. And it's fine. Don't Ball worry. owns all of your people. Yeah. <laughs> so back on Kelowna, Sam has a very good question. If Anubis has all of the Noquadria, why is he still there? And we learn he's also been rounding up archaeologists. Okay, so maybe he's looking for the Stargate. Don't worry. The bunker they're in is very secure because... They had to move it because, yes, they did go to war with Terrania and Andari, and uh, they ended it by using the Nequadria bomb. I thought that was such an interesting twist of, like, they did, in fact, go to war. They did, in fact, use the bomb. And it was was interesting to be on either end of that sandwich. Yes. Everyone was immediately regretful of that action, but it did serve its purpose 
because delegates from Terania and Andari had just arrived in Kelowna for peace talks when Anubis showed up. Also, uh, the Terranians and the Antares don't know about the Stargate, and Jack's like, it might be time to tell them. And Hale is hesitant to do so because there's still a chance Anubis might just leave. No, 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 no. But he's like, the Nequadra mines are totally depleted. It's like, he's not going to take your word for it. He will enslave your people and occupy your planet until he gets what he wants. And like, okay, yes, the SGC will help in this because Anubis is horrible, but it's going to require the approval of every nation on the planet, not just Kelowna. Which I like. Yes. Up on Anubis' ship, one of his scientists, who seems to be a ghoul in his own right, because he has that, like, flanged voice a bit going on, but he doesn't have a little forehead symbol thingy, so some minor ghoul somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some good news and some bad news. The good news is that the energy output of Nequadre is, like, super awesome. Bad news, as expected, the instability problem. So Anubis doesn't care. Make it work. He wants his weapon back online ASAP. Also... Why is Jonas still alive? As with Near T, Anubis finds his physiology worth further experimentation. Oh. So that's coming back with no resolution, because why would there be? Anyway. <laughs> they just decided to throw that in there as. Yep. Why mm-hmm. are we still keeping him alive? Ah, well. That thing? Because. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, elsewhere on Anubis' ship, Daniel has located a storage room. Right, like, sort of next door to Jonas's cell, and they're able to communicate through the vents. Jonas is okay, and Daniel's working on getting him out. Back down in the bunker, Hale introduces Ambassador Savarin from Trania and Ambassador Noor from Andari to Jack and Sam, and they're all like, they don't look alien. Yeah, that happens. Uh, They're then shown the Stargate, and they're just in time because here comes Tilk, and they're like, he's one of the bad guys. They're like, don't worry, he's he's with us. He's a friend. It's fine. Um, So Hammond... I love how casual Jack is the whole time. Of like, oh, yeah, Stargate. Oh, yeah, we're also humans. Duh. Yes. And oh, no, he's with us. Like, yeah. we've done this about 12 times. So yes. just sit down. Yes, it's fine. Um, Hammond did call ahead and told them uh, about the new plan, which Jack thinks is absolutely nuts, but is kind of the only option at this point. Yep. Daniel tells Jonas that they're in, uh, over Kelowna, which is like, yeah, I know. And Anubis wants the Nequadria, and it's all his fault. And Daniel's like, don't blame yourself. But Jonas is like, the only reason Anubis is here is because I joined the SGC to try and protect my people from the ghoul, but instead I led them right here. And Daniel's like, don't worry, we'll find a way out, because apparently that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So here's where we get what the new plan with Ball is from Tilk. And Jack's like, Tilk, this is your plan. You're telling everybody what it is. <laughs> this is your idea. You take point. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're going to tell Ball where Lingara is. He will come with the fleet, destroy a, and destroy Anubis. Nobody likes this plan because all the new people are like, you just told us how horrible these ghoul people are, and now you want more of them to come here? They're like, yeah, you know, but Anubis is really, really bad, and Bob promised he would leave as soon as Anubis was destroyed. <laughs> and Savarin and Nora are just like, he's only threatening Kelowna. Our countries are fine. And Jack's like, do you know the story of the dog and the dancing monkeys? Which is a reference, <laughs> a reference to Shamda, which I decided to look it up and see if this was, like, maybe based on something. And turns out there's an Aesop's fable called the dancing monkeys. Oh, really? Would you like to hear it? 
Oh, sure. Okay. It's just, you know, a paragraph. So yeah. this is the fable of the dancing monkeys. There's no dog. It's just monkeys. So, oh, yeah. okay. but you know, different planet. Who knows how things anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, a prince had some monkeys trained to dance. Being naturally great mimics of men's actions, they showed themselves most apt pupils, and when arrayed in their rich clothes and masks, they danced as well as any of the courtiers. The spectacle was often repeated with great applause, until on one occasion a courtier, bent on mischief, took from his pocket a handful of nuts and threw them upon the stage. The monkeys, at the sight of the nuts, forgot their dance and became, as indeed they were, monkeys instead of actors. Pulling off their masks and tearing their robes, they fought with one another for the nuts. The dancing spectacle thus came to an end amidst the laughter and ridicule of the audience. So that was it. So that's the fable that's supposed to tell us of appearances are deceiving. Um, well, I think the the dog and the dancing monkey one from Shamda was about like togetherness and working together. So no, I thought I thought the moral of that one was appearances are deceiving. The the one from Shamda. Yeah. Hold on, let me see. And then Jack brings up. Um, Oh, it says, haven't you guys ever heard the story of the dog and the dancing monkeys? It has something to do with getting along. But I think think his reference is wrong. Well, the fable Jack is talking about was told to him by an alien. So who knows? But I'm saying like his, his pulling the wrong moral from the story, I think was meant to be a joke. Unless the dog and the dancing monkeys isn't the dancing monkeys. It's a completely different thing. We don't know. It's a completely different thing. We don't know. We'll just look back at it. An alien. We'll and we don't hear it. Yeah. yeah. We don't we don't hear the fable of the dog and the dancing monkeys. Jack is just like, he was just telling me a great story about dogs and dancing monkeys. That's all we know about it. From right. Us. And I thought that after that line, then the other guy replies with, it It teaches you this, or it, it like the conclude basically like what you're supposed to get from it is this. Oh, from last this. week's episode. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah, the moral of which is appearances can be deceptive. Yeah. So Jack was wrong. Yeah, and I assumed that was the joke, that, okay. he, that he didn't even remember the moral right. I mean, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, so anyway, so Jack bringing up the table really doesn't do anything. So Sam, help, please. And so she's like, you know, if Anubis wants more to Quadra, he won't just stick to Kelowna. He'll rip the entire planet apart if he has to. And before they put any kind of plan into action, Jack needs approval from everybody. So you're either all in or we're gone. Mm-hmm. Good call. Um, Anubis, a scientist, has figured out how to counteract the instability of the Nequadria. Anubis wants it plugged into the weapons array and tested immediately. And the scientist is like, we need a target. And Anubis is like, there's a big city right below us. What about targeting that place? Like, duh, I don't know. Um, But then the scientist is worried that the blast could actually destroy the entire city. And Anubis is like, then congratulations. It's like, and that's the problem. Why? Mm -hmm. So Sam then radios up to Daniel. He has found Jonas, but still hasn't figured out the whole force field thing. Sam tells him he now has to figure out how to kill the power entirely before Ball's fleet arrives. And Daniel's like, well, I have 15 minutes before the camouflage isotope wears off. And also he's got to call her back because here comes some Jaffa. The Jaffa enter the storage room, take some sort of large container out. 
one pauses, calling the others back and starts looking around for a moment, like maybe he heard something. And then there's an interest, interesting discussion here in the commentary. Michael's was like, why did he do that? Because there was there was no noise. There was no sound. Was I no noticed noise. that. There yes. was no reason for him to be like, hmm. Yeah. Yes. It, and Martin was like, yeah, we kind of should have put something in there. Like he like leaned against one of the, you know, Michael could have been directed to like lean against one of the crates that moved slightly or a little creak or something. And it apparently just got overlooked and... Yes. Oops. Now you just have a super, super diligent. Yes. Jaffa. Yes. They they joke that the Jaffa heard him blink. <laughs> yes. He's got super hearing. Um, mm-hmm. We are then we then sort of bounce back and forth between like the control room and the Peltac where the Nequadria generator is in place with the weapons. So fire it up. The Jaffa are still looking around, not seeing anything. Uh, back on the Peltac. Oh no, the generator is overloading. Who could have seen this happening? <laughs> I love how his reply is like, but we compensated for the unpredictability. Like, isn't that kind of the entire point of unpredictability? Yes. That you yes. can't predict that it's going to do something weird? Yes. <laughs> so Anubis orders him to abort like the weapon firing. He can't. We see things starting to explode. The Jaffa and the storage room run out as, you know, things start going wrong. Anubis orders the scientist to be killed. So Harak step, steps up and shoots him with the staff weapon. He's still very much using his musical theater voice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Daniel makes it to Jonas's cell and they have no idea what happened, but it, it's apparently knocked enough stuff around that the force feels kind of like flickering a bit and doesn't seem to be at full power really anymore. Jonas reaches out to touch it, gets a shock that turns his arm numb for a little bit, but he's just, he's he's going to, he's going to go for it because they got to get out of here. So he like takes a beat and just jumps through the force field and like, he's okay. Yay. Okay, great. Now what? And Daniel's like, cargo ship. He thinks it's that way. Just like, are you sure? And he's like, nope. Awesome. Let's just go. Cause they can't just stay there. So would he have been cut in half if he didn't make it? I no, because I I don't think it was like a laser thing. Okay. Because like when like when he touched it, he wasn't he he just kind of like got like a like a big electrical shock, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't think it. I mean, maybe he got a little singed or something, but I don't think any like slicing kind of okay so happened. Super electrocuted, maybe. Yeah. 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 All right. Jack is back at the SGC to let Hammond know that they're ready for the new plan, but the Colonians want some more weapons to combat the Jaffa currently on the ground. That's not something Hammond can do. Right, so Jack wants to take SG-11 and SG-15 back with them as technical advisors. And since I know you're going to ask, I looked up what SG-11 and SG-15 are. Yes. Uh, apparently, SG-11 is supposed to be more of a scientific and engineering team. I mean, it's still made up of, like, soldiers and stuff, but they're not, mm-hmm. like, a strictly combat team. Um, and then SG-15 was classified as general exploration. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see the scientific team maybe and engineering for helping with, with sort of, like, post-battle stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, like, rebuilding power things, maybe, if they need help with that, yeah. so... Yeah. I did kind of also find, like, okay, if they're not going to bring, like, actual, you know, an army, as it were, why why would he even bring more backup? I don't, I didn't really get that one. But, like, yay for bringing backup, finally. I know, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
And then Hammond's like, well, what if Ball doesn't show up? And Jack's like, well, that's going to suck, but this is what the plan is. So the least they can do is stick around to help, you know, this planet. And Hammond's like, yep, good. Yeah, agreed. Get your teams. Let's yeah. go. Uh, Sam, Hale, and Drylock are in the bunker discussing what's happening and what they're hoping will happen. And Sam is not inspiring a ton of confidence because there's a lot of like, if this happens, then that will be good. And this other thing can happen. But like, we're all kind of relying on like speculation at this point of what other people are doing. Uh, Like nothing really super concrete, unfortunately. Uh, They then receive a report that the Jaffa are raiding the Museum of Antiquities. And they can't be looking for the Stargate because Anubis knows it wouldn't be anywhere public like that. So Sam's like, what's in the museum? They're like, nothing. Everything was moved to storage when the war started. Okay, what was in the museum? Just a bunch of, like, ghouled trinkets from various dig sites. And Sam's like, did that include tablets? And Hale says that any tablets were classified and given to the scientists on the Nequadria project. So Sam's like, get me a full inventory. I need to know what was there. Anubis is looking for something, and I need to know what he's looking for. Daniel and Jonas are sneaking through the halls of Anubis' ship towards the cargo bay when they are passed by a large group of Jaffa, also making their way towards the cargo bay. Cargo bay! It's the place to be! Yes. Back uh, in the bunker, Commander Hale is affronted that Jack has only brought eight men with him to help battle the thousands of Jaffa currently invading their city. And Jack's like, excuse me, they are eight good men. And really, it's the ship that they need to be worried about. You know, if they did, if they get rid of the ship, the Jaffa will go. It'll be fine. Sam thinks she knows what Anubis is looking for. A, like, command crystal thing that the ghoul use. She's pretty sure this crystal has all of the information and knowledge from the Nequadria experiments from the ghoul who originally occupied this planet. Because there were no, like, like, handwritten, like, hard copies of notes or anything about the Nequadria experiments that happened way back when. Uh, that would be currently in the warehouse for safekeeping. Ambassador Draylock can take them. Hill wants to send a whole like contingent to secure the building. And Jack's like, we don't want to draw any more attention to what we're doing than is necessary. So Sam's going to go since she knows what to look for. And Jack tells her to also take Tilk with them. Adventure. So I didn't really remember that. This is going to be one of those stupid, obvious things. But I only remembered crystals being used as, like, power crystals. I didn't remember them being used as, like, USB disks. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever been, like, specifically stated. But I guess if you think about, like, the computer runs off the crystals, the computers also have to store the information to run the computer. True. So I guess it's been sort of implied, but yeah, not really specifically yeah. said. Crystals also have information. Yeah. Like this. Creatively at this juncture. Mm-hmm. So as they're sneaking around, Jonas and Daniel have a very frank conversation about SG-1 and how they both feel about everything, really. Uh, Daniel jokes that Jonas can keep the office and Jonas is a little awkward about it. But like Daniel gets it. You know, he joined the SGC because of what happened with Daniel. And now this is all happening. And oh, it's weird. It is hard to complain about the job, though. And Daniel's like, oh, yeah, who could argue? I mean, lousy hours, constant peril. Joan is like, on the bright side, you get to travel a lot. Yay. Eternal optimist. Here, I mean, an interesting question, though, is, you know, Jonas had to leave because he was basically a traitor on his own planet. So if he hadn't joined the SGC, what would he have done? Would he have just, like, lived kind of witness protection style like Cassandra? 
Well, he was branded a traitor because he went to the SGC. When he let, when he went to the SGC for the first time, it was with the Nequadria and all of the information about it. And that's when he was branded a traitor, when he left. So, I mean, he wasn't like on like the best of terms because he was like sort of siding with the SGC about Daniel did nothing wrong, but he may have been like fired from his job or something, but I don't think he was in danger of being like excommunicated from the planet at that point. Right. But I'm saying like he still left the planet because he was kind of disillusioned right so like yes so he gives them a quadria and he's left the planet and he's considered a traitor so like at that point in time he can't really go back so if at that point in time he had decided okay i can't go back but i don't really want to join the sgc what what because he didn't leave to join the sgc okay i see what you're saying i see okay I maybe it, they would have sent him off to the Knox or like wherever they send other refugees. Right. At like, this point, I guess. Could, could he have lived on Earth like Cassandra witness protection style? He's and like Jan, Janet's nephew. <laughs> well, I mean, they let they let Martin stay there. That yeah. I don't know. It's a good question because they. You, when he joined the SGC, he didn't seem to be able to leave the base except under protection of SGC people. Like, he wasn't allowed, like, a day pass or anything, it seemed. Right. So. Or maybe they just I mean, decided uh, nobody thought about that thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> they only had Jonas, you know, in the context of going on missions. They didn't really. Yeah. yeah. Like we've discussed before, they didn't really expand Jonas's experience. Yeah. Unfortunately, I did see some things when I was going on about people being like they should have sent Jonas or like Jonas should have come back when Atlantis started. Like they should have like called him in to be part of the Atlantis expedition. <gasps> yeah, I was like, oh, oh that's interesting. That show. Yeah, can you imagine him and McKay? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. Oh, I would liked that show. I wonder what Corin was doing at the time don't know yeah anyway so daniel then tells jonas that jack actually thinks he's a good guy which completely shocks jonas he's like really he's never said that to my face but anyway now that now daniel now that you're back and he's like let's just let's get off the ship first let's worry about everything else later let's get out of the immediate danger we're in and we'll worry about everything else later and uh jonas is like or Who's, somebody brings up the rings. What about rings? Uh, I think it's, no, it's Jonas brings up the rings because Daniel's like, where would we ring to? And Jonas is like, well, we did also find rings when we found the Stargate. Let's hope they still work after 2,000 years. Yay. Well, so I had a weird thought about this. of like, okay, so they where they ring to, does that mean, I guess, that the rings can be moved? I guess so. I mean, the Stargate can be moved. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I know. I've always been like, where's the power coming from? Is it plugged into something? Like, how do you just <laughs> move it? Because it's very big. Yeah. Yeah. How do you just move the rings? We're delve into this one. How do the rings work? Okay. We've talked about the Stargate itself ad nauseum, but let's go to the rings. How? Yes. Why? Yes. But apparently, yeah. apparently they can. So... We're just going to yes. go with, yes, you can't move the rings because they do move the rings. So What if you lose one? 
Do you still get transported? Or does it give you like an error? What if, what if one gets like knocked off course? What happens? I think the rings seem to be contained within a case and you're just moving like a suitcase that has the rings inside it. And when the rings activate, like the case opens and the individual rings pop out. Like, I don't think the rings are just like laying loose on top of each other when they're not in use. Cause it's just, it's not that thick of a thing when you yeah. see just an idle ring platform. Mm-hmm. What if yeah. one of the rings becomes defective? That's very true. Is it, is it like Christmas tree bulbs where if one goes out, they all go out? Right. Yeah. Or have they advanced past that? And one of them being out isn't really a big deal. How many have to go out before they stop working altogether? Yeah. Very good questions. I don't know. What if you have two ring sets of rings next to each other? How does it know which go? one to go to? Can you even do yeah. that? Yeah. I don't know. Can we call them the five golden ring? Are there five of them? <laughs> um, There <laughs> might <that>. be. <laughs> now I need to go count. I need to find like a screen capture and like go count. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Sam, Tilk, and Draylock have reached the warehouse. So far, so good. It looks like, you know, this place hasn't been ransacked yet. Great. Uh, back on the ship in the ring room, we hear over the intercom, Jaffa speaking in English, saying that two intruders are heading in that direction, which they do meant talk about in the commentary, like, why are Jaffa talking to each other in English that we can understand? But anyway, yeah. um, so the two Jaffa that are in there go to leave to catch whoever that is. As the door opens, Daniel zats them. The door sort of like on the other side of the little like vestibule opens. Jonas is at the ready, but the guard's already down. So he heads in and they start to, you know, get in the rings, go punch in the code, whatever. Uh, Sam and everybody are still searching the warehouse and it's not going well. Draylock is like, this is pointless. There's nothing here. But then Tilk finds it. Yay. Yay. And then they're surrounded by Jaffa. Boom. Back at the ring transporter, Jonas has no idea where they're going to end up, but here we go. Yay! Five dollars says, I bet I know where they end up. (laughs) Where could it possibly be? I wonder. Uh, So as Sam goes to hand the crystal to one of the Jaffa, the rings activate. And it's enough of a distraction slash surprise that Jonas and Daniel are able to get the drop on the Jaffa and zap them all to unconsciousness. Jalak is like, Jonas, you're here. Okay, let's get the crystal and go. So everybody's back in the bunker. Yay. Joyful reunion by all. But then Hale proves himself to be an absolute moron because he went behind everybody's back and made his own deal with Anubis. In exchange for the crystal... Anubis will leave Kelowna alone. Yeah, sure. Like, that's going to happen. He's a ghouled. There's then, like, infighting as each nation accuses the other of having Naquadria stores. And Hale is like, the Turanians have Naquadria. And they're like, no, we don't. We stole it from the Andaris. And they're like, what? You know, Jacques. And Jonas is just like, stop it. Shut up. This is what Anubis wants to happen. He wants you all fighting amongst yourselves so he doesn't have to do anything. You need to trust each other work together and Jonas just like gets slugged for his you know daring to stick up for themselves kind of thing and but of course nobody listens and as soon as Hale hands the crystal over to to Harak he's shot dead who surprise surprise not surprise no um uh Harak then announces that everybody else will be publicly executed and Jack is like does it have to be public and Harak just like 
gets like the the staff weapon like in his nose and like you know turns it on and is like I could kill you now and he's like public is fine. I thought that was actually a really good response of like what Jack was of course being a smart ass but what did he think was going to be the response to that? I know (laughs) and I love the rock was just a smart ass right back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some good news ball has actually arrived and starts attacking Anubis. Yay. Mm-hmm. Bad news is some of the shots miss and hit like the ground of the city. The good news of the, this shakes the ground of the bunker around enough that everybody kind of starts falling and like it's like chaos. Oh no, what's happening? But not so good news. This starts a massive firefight in the bunker. Uh, Anubis's ship starts to fly away and Herak starts dialing the gate to escape. Sam tackles him before he can make it through. Ball calls over to Anubis to taunt him like, you are defeated, ha ha ha, but Anubis isn't there. He's flying away in a new little saucer thing. Yeah, so yeah, from outside we see like the ship sort of getting torn apart as it leaves the atmosphere. And yeah, this little like, yeah, saucer escape pod sort of pops out from the middle, which is interesting. I kind of wish they would have had the camera on Ball long enough for him to like have his face turned to like, oh shit, he's not there. Damn it, foiled again. Yeah. Down in the bunker, one of the Jaffa takes aim for Daniel. Jonas jumps in the way, taking a staff blast to his side, but he's okay. The fighting continues. This time, Harak does make it through the gate, but like Sam has the crystal, so that's all fine. Where do you think Harak gated to? I was just about to ask you, like, where? Like, back to, like, Anubis's home world, I guess? I, I don't know. Because I, I don't was... think Harak has a gate on his ship, like some do i don't think yeah i was wondering that myself of like where could they possibly be going but yeah i just i guess anubis's home world is the only place they can go yeah uh cut to sometime later in the sgc gate room jonas is getting ready to head back to Kelowna, but this time not as a traitor because the only way the other nations would agree to a joint ruling council was if jonas was appointed the Kelownan representative the things he's yeah. I have to interject in here because okay. I thought this was a very, very weird interaction to have on Earth as he was leaving. Yes. I mean, I get that it's good information for us, the audience, to have, but maybe it could have been in, like, his quarters in private between him and Draylock or something, but... Well, it sounds like it should have been something to get him, like, as an invitation to go back. Not yeah. as, like... We're on our way. I should probably tell you that you're going to be okay. Like, it was a very weird timing and on earth. Like, it should have been something, right? You're right. Like, like a special visit to invite him back or a radio communication or it was just, it was odd. It was so weird. Yeah. Or Draylock is there, like, visit him in the infirmary to make sure he's okay. And it's like, by the way, it's been a couple of days. We've had this conversation. Will you please come back? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That might have been a little better. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's like, you know, the things that Jonas has seen and experienced over the past year will be an invaluable asset to Langara's future. Jonas then has a moment to say goodbye to each member of SG-1 and Hammond. And Daniel does actually remember what he told Jonas way back when they first met about how the problems on his planet would seem so insignificant compared to what's happening in the universe at large. And Daniel was right. And then, you know, hug with Sam Tilt calls him a great warrior, and Jack actually, like, smiles and is like, you earned it? Which I was like, earned Which, what? what? Earned I know, what? like, earned what? what? The 
the the ambassador position on your home planet like maybe I don't know I don't like also weird a little bit yes <laughs> um so as he heads up the ramp he then turns and calls back to Daniel to please feed his fish <laughs> I liked that yeah um everybody leaves the gate room except for Daniel who Jack notices and kind of turns back and we see Daniel just kind of staring pensively at the gate and yet Daniel he's doing fine Jack just reminds him not to be late for dinner because he'll get cranky and so okay so maybe there there is maybe one thing like Daniel's cool with rejoining SG-1 and doing all like the exploring and meeting new people and weekly peril stuff but they do get paid right no. <laughs> oh, welcome back Daniel the end yes they yeah. do get paid they do get paid <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, they do get paid. Don't worry. Yeah. That's fine. Well, that brings up a whole bunch of interesting things of bringing Daniel back from the dead. Yeah. Did they, well, they, what would have did they even have a his... funeral for him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be like any soldier who might be declared dead in combat and then turns up two years later. There's got to be a process for that in the military. A way like to, a like, miss- undead somebody. Like a missing in action kind of thing. But he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't in the military. He was a civilian. So he. But he worked for the military. The yeah. So I don't. I, I guess it depends on what they told people outside of the SGC happened. Right. <laughs> you know, how, what, like to the government writ large, how did they classify? Did they just classify him MIA? Did they classify him KIA? Yeah. We And we don't know. So who knows? Yeah. Relatives that he needs to freak out. No, because his grandpa's off on the planet with the big giant smoke aliens. That's so, right. Yeah, no. That's right. Nope. He's got nobody. Then. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that was homecoming. Yay. Yay. I um, thought it was a pretty good conclusion for yeah. Jonas of bringing it back to his home planet and having him, like, save the world and, you know, kind of kind of have an opportunity to rethink his whole situation being like, okay, this is the state of what my home is in right now. My home kind of needs me now. And Daniel's back. Yay. Yes. So now I actually can kind of go back. Yeah. Some parts felt a little rushed, not as much as last week with fallen. Um, But again, I really think fallen and homecoming could have each been two episodes. Like they talked about last week on the commentary and everything. Um, but this one, this one, I didn't feel, it didn't feel as rushed as the previous episode. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So the episode title, Homecoming, obviously, you know, we now have Jonas's part of this story. Um, as far as the foreign territory titles, nothing really exciting. Most of them were Homecoming, except for the French and German, which were just part two of what their titles were last week. So French was Return to the Source, part two, and then the German was Go for Broke, part two. No, okay. Not Jonas so. goes home. Nope. No, but no. Yeah, no, okay. no Jonas goes home. No more Jonas. No. <laughs> bye, Jonas. <laughs> bye, bye, bonus Jonas. Yep. Uh, no, wait, wrong band. Wrong band. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Every now and then, you just got to wonder to yourself, what is Frankie Jonas up to? I don't, because <laughs> I have no idea who that is, so I don't really get it. you do. <laughs> not me anyway. well you will now now that you know he exists no I still don't care what's Frankie Jonas up to alright I'm just going to text you every now and then <laughs> and I'll be like I don't care 
What does Frankie Jones say? Or I'll send back absurd things like picking the dead skin off of his toes. Oh. <laughs> and I will be like, oh, okay, gross. <laughs> I will send you increasingly gross and disturbing <laughs> things every time you text me that. So <laughs> make your choice very carefully. <laughs> Damn, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> that is hardcore. Uh, you know, that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can find us on threads and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And on Discord, you can find the link in the show notes. Or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Fragile Balance. Bye. Bye.